From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 397. Today's show is brought to you by Electric, Text Expander, Capital One, and Memberful. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. It's just you and me again. Just no, you and me. That's a lie, because howdy, y'all. I'm in Memphis, Tennessee, and across the table from me, the Relay FM co-founder, host of Connected and Mac Power Users, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Hello, Upgradians. We realized Ooh. today, Stephen and I, that we have not seen an Apple event in person together since... 2017. 2017. Because we only of us were hanging out together for WWDCs. And for a couple, I think one Stephen missed. Yeah, 2018, we had a, a death in the family, and I missed the keynote, and I came out just to do the live yep. show. And then 2019, I had a press badge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I touched the face of Tim Cook as he released the Mac Pro. And Stephen's never allowed to go back. And today nope. I touched my Apple TV remote as I threw it in the river as my Mac Pro was <laughs> obsoleted. Obsoleted and the value was yeah. drained out of it. So we just hey, saw hey, the. Hey, pe- hey, hey, just to be clear, your Mac Pro, they promised, would be updated with a new model, whereas my beloved large iMac was implied to have been disappeared. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's levels here, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I definitely want to get to that when we get yeah. to that because that was a very oh, yeah. interesting thing. All right, but Jason, I do have a hashtag Snow Talk question for you before we get started today. Good. Do you good. think we made a good decision by drafting early? We made the best decision. This is just your opportunity for us to take a victory lap about the fact that on uh, on Monday we made the decision to draft, even though we didn't know there was going to be an event for sure. On Tuesday, they didn't announce an event, and we looked at each other like, well, mm, let's see what happens. Uh-huh. And then on Wednesday, they announced the event, and we got to do some... Uh, to some uh, some victory laps of our own in our own homes. Yep. Good How, decision. Great however, decision. though... Best decision. I don't know if, like, if we would have drafted late, if it would have made much of a difference for what happened. Well, we can go through the results. We didn't get any Mac picks at all. Yeah, late in the week, there were more informa- there was more information that would have allowed us to be more accurate, but I think it's more fun for us to just be dead wrong in public. I think that's better. Because and we yes, the Mac know, picks yeah. is just bl- a river of blood. <laughs> it's all Mac Mini and MacBook Pro. So let's do the draft results. So okay. uh, this one, this one hurts, Jason. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm hurt by this one. I was convinced that I beat you. This is t- it's the tightest possible. Oh yeah, it 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 did, and in the end, it came down to the literally the last seconds of the uh, video. This the, one, yeah, <laughs> maybe hurts more than any in a long time because I was convinced I'd won, and then they pulled out and showed the rainbow stage, and you screamed in terror. I uh, well, I yes. actually think no, I, I rainbow, said no. something <laughs> that I can't say on the show. <laughs> well, that's how that's how I felt when John Turnus appeared. By the way, it was like no, 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 no. We don't want to see him. Get him out. That you, one felt like knew. a lock, though, for me. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I was kicking myself because I should have picked the Chip Lab, like uh-huh. I always do, or Johnny Shrewgy, like I always do, but didn't do it. Well, it wasn't that set really that there was going to be new chips. Like I don't think that we had necessarily yeah, considered. Yeah, but there he had be. like a transparent wall with like an airtight lab in case mm-hmm. I don't know some of the chips escape into the air. Watch out. <laughs> I don't know what was going yeah. on there, but. Um, yeah, so so we we totally blew that. Um, the whole Mac section was wrong. Everything. Because there was no MacBook Pro, there was no Mac Mini. Yeah, right. Our iPhone and iPad picks were okay. You got four and I got three. So that puts you ahead mm-hmm. because you got everything right in this category. New iPhone SE keeps the same design. I joked about it because on Connected, you argued that any minor change was a different design, but uh, which is wrong, by the way. No, that's correct. But um, 
Uh, but it, it's the same familiar SE. The new iPad Air supports 5G. The new Pi- iPad Air gets center stage, and the new iPhone SE has Touch ID. It does. It has the home button. The home button lives. I got new iPhone SE announced and supports 5G, correct? New iPad Air keeps the same design. I got correct. And I said, of course, that the SE would not look like the previous SE, and it does, so I got that wrong. So it was 4.3. Mm-hmm. And that took us to the other picks. And the yep. other picks, there was one, I got I got the first one and the last one mm-hmm. because the event takes place on March 8th was it, one it of my picks. It is indeed March 8th today. It is, last time I checked. Um, you picked Tim Cook Presents from Outside Apple Park, which he did not do. Rough. Uh, yeah, that was a tough one. That was I like that pick too. John Turnus presents a segment. You got that right. And then my second other pick was the rainbow stage is shown, which it was not shown until the final pullback at the very end of the event, at which point I cashed in mm. my uh, fifth point, which mm-hmm. let it all come down, believe it or not, to the colors are draft <laughs> yeah which is still like i'm fine with the way the colors desire draft is going although i'm still a bit like probably just because i'm hurt because i lost i do have some like questions over colors f- of silver in the studio lines when they they don't offer yeah. colors but i'm not gonna fight this point they call it silver or actually more to the point in the press release they say that there are silver and black trackpad and keyboard accessories available that match and that, I think, is a fairly strong signal that they consider them to be silver because the silver matches the thing. It's just, you know, the thing, the other products, you see their color names. There's no color names on the product pages. That's all I'm going to say. It's the only thing I'm pointing yeah. to the crowd. Right, you got to follow the evidence to the accessories, which are color matched and are named. So I have some real-time follow-up. On the technical spec page for the Mac Studio, under finish, it says one word, Silver. That will work for me. Silver. There you go. That will work for me. So, so the colors are draft, which is silly. Um, <laughs> but and and are things that you know it, there was a new blue, but not it wasn't a deep blue sea. And they went with they went with some different uh, uh, a forest green or whatever it is, a Sierra green. I don't even know what. Alpine. Doesn't matter. We didn't pick Alpine those. green. Alpine green, right? Oh yes, the Alp the Alps. <laughs> um, product red iPhone SE, and that was one of yours. And a space gray iPad Air, and that mm-hmm. was one of yours. So you got two points in the Colored Czar draft. I uh, chose green, and indeed we got a green iPhone 13. Yeah, good call on that, Jason. Good call on that. Yeah, I was just feeling like spring is in the air. I will say, when they started showing, because if you remember, my sec- my other pick for my, like, uh, we came up with our name, right? I, if yeah. you remember, I was arguing between spring yellow and safari green. And when yes. they showed off the alpine green... There was a lot of like animal stuff. I'm like, oh my God, if they call this Safari Green, I quit forever. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was close. It was a close one. Uh, so that all brought it down to um, the my pick of silver, a boring pick. And by the way, a lot of starlight, a lot of starlight mm-hmm. and some moonlight um, or midnight or whatever, but the, a lot of starlight. Starlight is happening, people. But the Mac Studio and the Mac uh, and the Studio Display are both new products and they both come in silver which by my account gives me a 3-2 advantage in the colors are draft which pushes me ahead because you won the over under on the length it was just under that was even worse jason i won the tiebreaker as well you know it's just like god those colors just totally screwed me i hate the colors are is what i've decided 
for the time being. That's fair. Until the Kalazar blesses me with a point. I hate the Kalazar. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, Chase. Now you are Thank winning you. the first draft of the year. I will leave my pennant where it is. Yeah. Yeah. You continue to be champion. All right. We've got a ton of stuff to talk about today. Uh, let's take our first break and then we can start diving in. I think we might go uh, mostly chronological order today because Apple sure. did that for a reason too, I think. Uh, This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Electric. If you're striving to build a small business into an empire, you're going to want to hear this because you know that one second you're dreaming up that big idea that's going to double your revenue for the quarter, the next second you're cleaning spilled lattes out of your intern's laptop because that's the reality (laughs) of being a boss. The team over at Electric know that small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges, which is why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. I think this is super cool. I think this makes a ton of sense. Just gets one of those things off your plate. And it may be something that you or someone that you know that runs a business, they might not be IT-minded. But sometimes these things just fall on you. So having someone else there to take care of it for you is awesome. For Upgrade listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash upgradefm to set it up. That is electric.ai slash upgradefm to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Apple TV Plus... Uh, was how we started the event. Um, Apple and Tim, very happy with their content slate. Oh, Jason, did you know that uh, they've received some nominations for some awards? Oh, interesting. For the Academy Award, but also the the prestigious BAFTAs. Very prestigious BAFTAs. Very prestigious BAFTAs. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, we knew they were going to do this, and if they win any Oscars, oh boy, they might just do a separate event just to talk about that. They're going to be very excited over there. we got a trailer of some upcoming projects and there was some stuff that I hadn't known in there. Like there was an animated movie that I don't remember uh, hearing much about called Luck. I think this is one of those movies from the studio with John Lasseter at it that they made the deal with. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and I think so that's, that's why, why it says from the mind of Toy Story and whatever is like nobody I see. his name. I was thinking, who is that? And that's why... They mention it in that very specific way. Good call, Jason. Yeah, good call. But the big thing—that's what it is. Friday night baseball. Yeah, we uh, upgradians will know, uh, and I know Stephen is really excited about this story. Right? It's baseball. Yes, Steve. he loves his baseball. Yeah. He, yes. he he does. He loves it. So we, we've been reporting on the rumors, right? The rumors that Apple is in talks, and I think what's funny is nobody broke that the deal was done. There was a lot of interested bidding on. And instead, they they just announced done deal Friday night baseball, which is a very specific kind of package where mm-hmm. they're going to pick up two games and they're only going to be on Apple TV. They have some sort of exclusivity window to be. I think we'll get more information about this now that it's public. It's also funny because Major League Baseball is currently locking out its players and any very bitter labor dispute. And I thought, well, the that Apple money is going to come up now. They're going to be like, look, you, you guys, you owners just made more money selling rights. So pay us. So a uh, little wrinkle to the baseball labor stuff going on. But this is Apple's first big 
sports thing and there's going to be more right but we we've been talking for a while now about how they were they were planning on going into live sports and here here we are just rolled right into apple tv plus too not not a special thing or anything it's just for apple tv plus subscribers because this is not as big as some of the other stuff we've been talking about right where it's like full-on rights or taking the ticket the nfl this this is like kind of similar ish is this similar ish to what amazon's done in the past i know they've had some some games was that football games not baseball games uh, Amazon has actually has football, and they just they have an exclusive right. starting next season for Thursday night football for the NFL, and and they've got some sports in the UK. I think they've got some Premier League, yeah, I think soccer, and mm, there's maybe, other stuff yeah, going yeah. on. So Amazon's been experimenting in this area for a while, and you know Facebook has experimented with a little bit, which is kind of weird. But um, this is Apple's first step into this world. But so what is what is this Friday night baseball? Did somebody have this before? Like. What is this? I think this is the remnants, part of the remnants of ESPN's former deal with with uh, with Major League Baseball, where they had some ability to run games in weeknight time slots. Okay, and there there was talk about like more slots, so I think it's interesting that they focused on the Friday night, and maybe somebody else is going to buy some of the other slots. But I think not one hundred percent on this. I think this comes out of ESPN changing its deal and not paying for some of those weekday weeknight baseball games um they, they still got their sunday night baseball but they used to have more weeknights and uh i think they dropped them right okay so this seems so this is like two is it like random games like are they gonna be good games i think they well i mean i think they'll pick two games every week um i'm also unclear hmm. i assume that what it's going to be is the local announcers doing the games but they said exclusive so it's quite a lot of questions here in market or out of market um, so is it exclusive? Like if you if your local team is normally on a cable channel, but you get picked to be a an Apple Friday night game, does that mean your your team is not on TV unless you have Apple TV Plus? Maybe, or maybe what it means is it's exclusive nationally, so it'll be on in local markets, but that Apple will pick it up for everyone else. And then the question also is: Are they just picking up the local team's broadcast, right. or are they producing their own? broadcast for those games and I, I don't know maybe there's more information that's going to be coming out shortly about that but right after the event i don't i don't know the, those details but those are the questions to ask about what's coming for that baseball package yeah i wonder if they're going to do anything like software wise about that so i'm looking at a press know. release here it's fans in the u.s a live mm-hmm. show uh, in, addition, in addition to Friday Night Baseball, fans in the U.S. will be able to enjoy MLB Big Inning, a live show featuring oh. highlights and look-ins airing every weeknight during the regular season. Yeah, so that's the NFL um, red zone equivalent for okay. baseball. Okay. So they'll have that where they where you can – it's basically instead of surfing around and watching different games, you tune in this show and they will pop into different games, which is a different kind of experience. So that's interesting. And then on top of that, they've got their, uh, they've got their Friday night game. It says free from local broadcast restrictions. And it's going to be international. So U.S., Canada, Australia, Brazil, Japan, Mexico, Puerto Rico, South Korea, and the U.K. expanding to additional countries at a later date. That's cool. There you go. With live yeah. pre and post game shows available to fans, so yeah, hey, yeah, interesting. It'll it'll be this is Apple taking their first step into a different world. That's not bad at all. Um, so once we moved, there was nothing else. I was wondering if we were going to get maybe the like classical music service or anything like that. There was no other services stuff. I thought we were going to get more services stuff just because of the way that Tim started the uh, the presentation talking about like entertainment stuff like that. But this was the end of that for now. Um, 
the iPhone was next. We got green and alpine green, and then the iPhone SE, which is basically exactly what we expected it to be, right? I don't. They've got 5G and stronger glass. That's Woo! and uh, A15 Bionic. A15. That's it, right? I think the A15 is actually the biggest deal here because people who are shopping in that price point for an iPhone, I would imagine the type of people who are going to keep an iPhone mm-hmm. for a long time, an A15 is going to have legs on it for a long time. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of iPhone SEs kicking about, and this seems like a great continuation of that brand into sort of the modern era, at least in terms of yeah. performance, if not the design, because the design's the same. But again, I think people want that. It helps keep the price point down. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, a very logical step forward for the SE. Smaller iPhone with great value, said mm-hmm. Tim. It's the people that like the iPhone SE. Jason, do you think that this yeah. is multiple years now with this one again, right? with the modernization of yeah, it now? I think I think so. I think this is that's why they make it an iPhone 13 essentially. Yeah. Is because then they can they can sell this through, you know, probably spring of 24ish, at which point we'll be debating whether they're going to bring back this shape or if it's going to be maybe the uh the mini design mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. coming back at last. I don't know, but my guess is yeah, this is a two or three year thing where they'll let it ride cuz now it's now it's up to date. Now it's current. And then this has been their MO is they they rev it to something that's modern, not something that's lousy, and then they just let it sit there for a long time. Starting at 429. Yeah, more expensive than the old model, I believe. So, really? I think so. Uh-huh. I think that's a little bit more. I think the old one was at um at 399. And my guess yeah. is it's that 5G modem. There have been reports 5G. that that's the most expensive individual component. Yeah. Well, so if we solve, if it's thirty dollars more for five G, and we solve for G, G equals six, six, six dollars. Okay. Oh, wow! Every oh. G, yeah. Glad or, we got or that Or is solved. it that every G is, or is G <laughs> well, worth thirty dollars? So one G is worth in 30. total. Yeah, because we're up to five. Because we came from four. We didn't go from zero G to this. Zero G to five G. Five G. Okay. Anything else on the iPhone SE? I mean. I don't really have anything to say about it. No. It's cool if you want it, you know, and like there's people that want yeah. it, but it doesn't excite me as a product. And you can have any color you want as long as it's Midnight Starlight or Product Red. iPad Air, M1 chip, uh, super fast compared to the A14 chip. Center stage, we were expecting this, 12 megapixel ultra wide camera, 5G, faster USB-C. Yeah, the it didn't get Thunderbolt like the uh, like the Pro. Oh, Yeah. So that's still one thing that distinguishes. For all yeah. those people using Thunderbolt with an iPad, <laughs> you still want the iPad Pro. Yeah, that, well, that's that was my feeling at all. As somebody who just bought a you know a, a 12.9 inch M1 iPad Pro, mm-hmm. I had that moment of like, oh, you know, you have that that kind of envy moment of like, oh, but now there's much ch- people people who only spend 5.99 can now get an M1 iPad. But then I immediately thought, it's not like I'm using the superpower of the M1 in what I do day to day on my iPad anyway, right. even when I use it kind of heavily, it's it's fine. And similar with Thunderbolt, it's like, all right, I've got it, but I, I actually don't care. Uh, so that's fine. I feel like the real differentiator in the iPad Pro right now, at least at, at the 12.9, is that display, right? It's mm-hmm. the it's the the mini LED high dynamic range display, and all rumors point to the smaller iPad Pro getting that too. So that's a place where the iPad Pro still can lord it over the iPad Air. Also, they're doing the same game that they did last time with the iPad Air, where it's got a low entry price, but it's for a 64 gig model. That's- terrible i was super mad when i saw that yeah and then you got to step it up like way up at which point you're in ipad pro territory if you want more storage that's frustrating 
Yeah, I was hoping that they would uh, they'd fix that. I bought Mary, my wife, a an iPad Air when it came out what two years ago. And I was telling Mike like she absolutely loves it. She likes the color. She likes that it's thin and light, it's fast. And uh, you know, I don't see a big reason to upgrade to this if you have an existing iPad Air. But if you if you have yeah. one of the older body styles, this seems like maybe the time to jump in. Yeah, sixty four gigabytes is five ninety nine. 256 gigabytes is 749. It's just, it's too big. At at which point you could go to the 128 iPad Pro for $50 more and get other kind of iPad Pro goodness. Add center stage. That's nice. That's going to be a Mm -hmm. theme. Everybody gets that 12 megapixel camera and center stage. (laughs) It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's good. It's good. But nothing much there. I mean, so you're saying about the USB-C to Thunderbolt thing. What's the actual realistic difference? Is that what, like you can what, plug you can plug in Thunderbolt accessories and use that speed of a Thunderbolt accessory. There's yeah. compatibility with Thunderbolt and the speed of uh, that Thunderbolt offers over USB. That's right. it. I think there may also be video resolution differences, but I'm not sure off the top of my head. So it, I don't. Uh, I don't want in terms of output. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. I we we got we'll get to it. The the standalone display and like the iPad is like. I guess you could probably plug an iPad into it, but whatever. We're not going to talk about it. So, um, oh well. Are you excited about new iMovie? It's the pro app you've been looking for, Woo! right, Jason? That's what you wanted. New. Oh no, uh, wait. <laughs> it's kick. It, I'm kicking myself not uh, drafting. Um, iMovie is mentioned in the draft this time. Go, go figure. And then I immediately saw a friend of ours who works in uh, the entertainment industry saying there is literally no aspiring filmmaker who should use iMovie, but. It's yay. They threw it in there. Good good job. Somebody in the iMovie team is really happy today. Hey, look, we're speeding through here, just like Apple did. <laughs> There's good reasons. Got a lot of Mac stuff to talk about. Uh, should we take our second break and get to it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Text Expander. You can keep everything consistent and accurate with Text Expander. In our fast paced world, things can change constantly, and errors in messaging can have significant consequences. Text Expander lets you make approved messaging available to every single team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, so everyone stays consistent current and accurate with text expander you can get your message right every single time you can expand content that corrects your spelling keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes so your team members always know the right message for the right person at the right time without relying on memory or using copy and paste or maybe like some old text document that gets emailed around from person to person we use text expander extensively here at relay fm it's super awesome for us to be able to just at a we have a, honestly just a couple of keystrokes be able to access content like that we can send around to our different sponsors that we work with to even how house all of our sponsor copies so people can grab it and update it and then everybody gets the most recent version at the same time which is super great as a listener of upgrade you can get 20 percent off your first year go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about text expander right now that's textexpander.com slash podcast our thanks to text expander for their support of this show and relay fm all right so let's talk about some mac stuff should we talk about the m1 Finally. ultra yeah now i wasn't expecting this today i don't think all right so let's mm. just say we weren't expecting anything today other than like by the draft boring updates <laughs> to boring machines <laughs> you know like that's kind of what we were really expecting yeah. like yeah. this time last monday 
um, was like everyone was thinking, oh, we're going to get an update to the MacBook Pro and an update to the Mac Mini, which didn't happen in the event. I don't think anything's on Apple's website. Um, things are basically staying as they are for those, which I think actually also makes sense. Yeah, they can to do to the point that the Intel Mac Mini is still for sale. Okay. Interesting. Is the iMac still for sale? No, the 27-inch iMac is completely gone from Apple's website. Okay, we'll get to that shortly. The This is... Um, I think I did expect that it's possible we would get a high-end Mac Mini or a high-end um, iMac, and I did suggest that it was possible we might see the mm-hmm. dual um, M1 Max as a high-end configuration. There, I was sort of like toying with that idea of like it's an almost you know, almost Mac Pro, but not quite. And that's that is what we got, but in a new computer. But it, it this is um, the Jade Two C die that Mark Gurman wrote about like a year ago it's two m1 maxes connected together Mm -hmm. and that was the bulk of what uh, johnny sruji talked about here right which is the idea that they have built uh i loved this the it's even more capable than we said it has a secret Secret. i love that it has a secret Mm -hmm. the m1 has a secret other than mark german's reporting it was a secret um and the idea is that they directly (laughs) interconnect so that they can share um they're much faster to share, so it doesn't behave quite like having two chips on a motherboard. It's sort of these two chips that mm-hmm. are interconnected together, uh, and it allows it to be you know that much faster. Is this the uses... biggest chip? Do you think? I think it will be in the M1 family. When John Turnus announced, they said, you know, we're adding one more member to the M1 lineup. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and so my, I mean, if we're going to go to speculation, I town would love that for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's do Let's it. Take a trip. It's down the street Choo-choo. from Dongletown. Mm-hmm. Was that a train? Yeah, it's how you get from Dongletown to speculation. It's actually right across the back pasture from the rumor roundup. Okay, well, buckle up, (laughs) cowboys. So they've said the, I mean, Turner said the Mac Pro is like coming at a later date. He basically winked at the camera. I mean, I loved it. We'll get to that too. Oh yeah, there should have been a sound effect. So I think we can think about this M1 Ultra chip. Like, where does it leave room for Apple to go faster? Mm Mm-hmm. And if this is the last M1 we're going to see, maybe the M2 line has the ability to have four of these, which, again, right. German talked about a, a quad die setup. Yeah, Jade 4C die. That's right. right? And so maybe this, uh, this M1 Ultra, like it rounds out the M1 generation, and maybe in the fall we'll start seeing M2 products with the crowning achievement there being the M2 Ultra and then maybe something even above M2 that. M2 Extreme. M2 Infinite. No, Extreme. extreme. I'm calling it's it now. It's extreme. extreme. That's, that's, my, that's my pick. This is a draft for later on. The yeah. M2, right. the big chip draft, yeah. we'll call it. But, but I think clearly from the beginning, they've had machines like this in mind. I mean, they had that, that graphic up for a second. It showed you know their representation of the die. The M1 is like a postage stamp. Mm. And then you have the M1 Ultra. It's like an A4 sheet of paper. Yeah, it's huge. It's like Gray's paper size video. And it it really spoke to me. Like, they have really planned all this from the beginning to have this extremely scalable infrastructure Mm -hmm. and design. Yeah. And I think we're, you know, that's going to pay off with this M1 Ultra. Now, you know, we can get to the product it's in. It comes at a price. But if you need that, it's it's definitely going to be the best thing going. Also shows their um, efficiency in they're making the chips themselves. They're designing their products around these chips, and so you're seeing like here are all the iPhones. They've got the A15. Mm-hmm. Here are these uh, iPad Pros and the iPad Air. Now we're just going to stick M1s in in them. We're going to M1 all the things on the low end, and then higher up we can we can scale it up with the 
with the Pro, which is basically a binned Max, and the Max, and now the Max Ultra, which is the the you know two wide that they they have built this whole family and they built their products around it and you can start to see the kind of like the efficiency that they gain from this but um i was really taken by the fact that he said this is uh sort of the last chip in the m1 line because i know that mike and i talked about this last time but one of the possibilities for this event really was let's close out the m1 generation Mm Um, and then, and then the next event presumably will open up the M2 generation. And I thought that was interesting that he just came out and said, like, this is the last, essentially, one last M1 variant, yeah. and then we go from here. And it's it, yeah. not bad for yeah. a first generation, right? To no. go all the way from that little M1 all the way up to the this uh, M1 Ultra. And I think it helps keep. You know, we talked about this on Connected. I think the conf- the possible confusion, like. They have M1 and M2, and they're still obviously going to overlap. But I do kind of think like having this pause and and them saying like, this is the top M1, you know, and and it's the last M1 we're going to see is was the strong inference, I think. Uh, I think that may help clarify it to people who think about these things in in a more Mm. serious way than just going into an Apple store and buying whatever the new MacBook Air is, right? Because that's what most people are going to do. And that's what most people should do. But kind of having this line in the sand of like, this is the M1 range, and now we're going to probably start back at the beginning with the consumer-grade M2, you know, maybe this summer or fall. Yeah. There's a lot of huge statistics that, like, a lot of them are very complicated (laughs) to me. Um, What Apple are calling the technology that they're using to interconnect the two M1 Max chips is called Ultrafusion. So that's the the brand name that they've given. More branding. Ultrafusion. 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 Uh, and if I wrote this down correctly, that's 2.5 terabytes per second interprocessor bandwidth, Ooh. 114 uh-huh. billion transistors, which is my favorite <laughs> amount of transistors, <laughs> and it can uh, do 800 gigabytes per second memory bandwidth. It has 128 gigabytes of RAM, maximum uh, capability. It is a 20-core CPU with 16 performance cores and four efficiency cores, P and E cores, as we know them on this show. Uh, it has a 64-core GPU, 32 neural cores. This is monstrous. It's it is, and it's and it's a little bit ridiculous. And I I'm gonna say, okay, so we're we're gonna talk in a moment about the computer that it's in, right? Yeah, some of those statistics are worth keeping for that because it's I think it is dependent on its chassis too, right, to help it go the speeds that it gets to. But so I think the best way to think about it is this is a Mac Pro chip. But we have to redefine what a what a, a Pro Mac is now because there's not just the Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. There's also yeah. this new Mac Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a Mac Pro chip. And I think it's I, – I mean, you can tell because the price of the uh, M1 Max configuration is half of the price of the M1 Ultra configuration. It's like the chip. Yeah. <laughs> like literally yeah. the chip. Double the chips. Double the price. Yes, yeah. it's one thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars versus three thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. It's the starting prices for those two chip configurations. So, the point I want to make here is it's fun to talk about the ridiculous numbers in the M1 Ultra, and it is fascinating to see them do what has been rumored for a year, which is this interconnecting two high end Apple Silicon chips to make to push it for pro performance. But let's also be clear. This is a Mac Pro style chip in the sense also that it's not necessary, it's extra. Like mm-hmm. most 
Mac use, even among pros, does not require this level of performance. Yeah. This is for the highest end needs. And so I would I would bet that most of the Mac Studios sold will not be configured with the M1 Ultra. No. But it's great that it's there because that's the whole point of having a high end of your architecture is for the people who are the most ravenous. They, they give me all the GPUs, give me all the cores. I need everything. I need all the memory bandwidth, everything. Um, they will spend whatever it takes to get it. And and so this sets the new high watermark for Mac performance. And that's great. Now, the, presumably, it will be reset by a Mac Pro that probably offers... a. a you can buy all the way up to four M2 extreme or whatever you guys said. But, extreme, um, extreme. But, but I also, um, when we get to the computer, I want to say, you know, don't overfocus on the M1 Ultra because um, remember when the MacBook Pro came out with the M1 Max and we were like, whoa, that's a lot. Well, that's the base model mm-hmm. of, the, of this new computer that came out today. And most people will not be using the M1 Ultra even because it's just it's more it's more performance than almost any job needs but for the people but it is important to offer something all the way up there because there are people for whom uh, money is no object Mm -hmm. they just want performance and this thing will give it to them yeah a a couple things came to mind as you were speaking Uh, first of all there's a world where the the Mac Studio could have been the M1 Pro and an M1 Max, but I think they want an Apple Silicon chip yeah. out there that can meet the needs of those those very specific workloads, like you said. But the other thing that I picked up in the keynote was, you know, let's rewind the clock a little bit. When Apple switched to Apple Silicon, heck, when they switched to Intel, uh, a lot of performance per watt, uh, energy savings, you know, low temperature, all that sort of conversation. And when they were introducing the M1 Ultra, I felt like they sort of, they're like, okay, in most of the machines, performance per watt's really important. But in this machine, it's not as important. If you just look at the core counts, the 20 core M1 Ultra is 16P14E, or 4E, excuse me, just little four little high efficiency <laughs> chips there that I'm sure are only there just to keep the software compatibility the same. But what we're seeing with this chip is, Okay, let's give Apple Silicon more cooling than we ever have. I mean, this thing, like, we'll get to the design of it, but it's built for cooling. And let's give it just as much power as it wants. And Apple is even quick to say, well, it's still less power than our PC friends over there on the other side of the of the world. But this really, to me, I think shows that Apple is willing to play with that performance per watt number and willing to make different decisions on what the system on a chip and what the product needs. And that's not something we've seen from them in recent history. And I think, I think to me, that's what's most exciting about it is they have built this chip and it has very different heat and energy requirements from the other chips it's based on. And Apple just went for it. And that's exciting because again, it, it, it gives me things in my imagination to consider what the quad would look like or what a Mac Pro would look like down the road. Yeah, I think to build on that a little bit, I think Apple like to be able to be the best at something. And when they can be the best at something, they go all out. And they just couldn't do this with Intel. Like they couldn't be better than anybody else because they were working from the same 
set of tools that anybody else had available to them. And so now they can, and they do have the ability to make the fastest CPUs and GPUs around, like in their classes. They just mm-hmm. keep doing it, and they keep doing it more and more and more because they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they just do it. like, And so they are... I think you know, like you, when you were talking about the ultra in the in the uh, Mac Studio, Jason, it was making me think like that machine is built the Mac Studio to be capable of whatever the ultra can throw at it. So then, if you put a Max in it, I mean, you're getting so many of those benefits just because they had to build it with so much headroom that sure. it makes the overall experience better. And that's going to be interesting to see how that ends up spreading out further and further you know i would argue that the macbook pros benefit from this right like if you get a macbook pro of an m1 pro you are benefiting because this machine had to be made to support the m1 max so there's benefit to you there so it's interesting how like them just pushing for this performance makes everything more exciting and i think what is very clear is that the mac team at apple is invigorated top to bottom right now because they are just turning out bonkers stuff well I was going to ask Stephen, uh, unofficial Mac historian, perhaps official Mac historian, Stephen. I think it's pretty official. At this show, at least. When's, what was the last new Mac? Like, new Mac mm. with a new, not a replacement yeah, of an existing it, it would be, skew. It would be the 12-inch MacBook. I was thinking this, but that was called MacBook, and there was another product but called it MacBook. Was the, but the, they, the two shared a name, but nothing in common. I mean, look, there's one right here and one but right there. But it was like, the name. Yeah, but it's, I'm, that's I'm a saying, brand. like, what was the first new Mac name? MacBook Pro, probably. Uh, or or well, iMac, iMac Pro. iMac Pro. IMac Pro. Would have been the last iMac one. Pro was the last Pro. new. Yeah. 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 And even then, it's like, mm, but it's an iMac. Like, I, I'm just saying, this is, doesn't happen that often. No, When you doesn't. get something where it's, like, broken out of the grid. It's like, we've spent a long time where there's sort of, like, you got Mac Mini. Yeah. You got iMac. You got MacBook Pro. You got MacBook Air. They, they don't do it very often. And I, I, and Mac you know, Pro. I think, Mac Pro. I think sure. we were talking about this in Slack or iMessage. I think I wrote about it like 2022, the year Apple makes a new desktop computer. <laughs> it's like very strange. Yep. But they, yeah. they, to your point about them being invigorated, they want to meet the needs of all different types of Mac users. And in the Intel world, they were handcuffed a little bit about how they could do that. Now, some of that was totally on Apple, right? They were, they were chipsets. And designs Apple could have used in the Intel era that they didn't, right? There, there was room for something like this in the Intel era, and mm-hmm. they didn't do it. Maybe that high-end 2018 Mac Mini got close. But with this, like, if the, okay, so if this is the end of the M1 line, and let's just say the Mac Pro starts with an M2 deriv- uh, derivative, this is the only M1 Ultra machine they may ever ship. And, you know, maybe it comes in an iMac Pro down the road, but, like, this chip may not show up in many machines, but they spent the time and the money and the energy to make it for this product that's going to meet the needs of a lot of people. Uh, I'm just excited about that. You know, I think Apple makes... uh, Apple obviously has to make decisions for the masses, but some of the most interesting decisions they make are for the smaller groups of users. And I think the M1 Ultra is like a shining example of that. This episode is brought to you by Capital One. 
Have you ever hit a technical snafu while shopping online? Has filling out payment fields given you a headache? Has a mobile banking app ever been down when you wanted to use it? Capital One believes everyone deserves better banking, and this means easier access to money and more security. And that's why Capital One is investing in machine learning. Because machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud of random forests with models that quickly detect suspicious activity, making it faster to alert federal investigators. And they identify how mobile app outages happen with causal models. Keeping their mobile app up and running doesn't happen by accident. Anomaly detection and incident response help determine why app outages occur so engineers can remedy them quickly. Capital One speeds up online shopping with machine learning at the edge. This makes shopping with virtual card numbers smoother and more secure. This technology is based on logistic regression models and running inference in the browser. This identifies payment fields, helping make the using virtual cards easier and easier easier and faster. The potential of machine learning is huge. See how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking. Search machine learning at Capital One. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Our thanks to Capital One for the support of this show and Relay FM. Studio. 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 This is interesting to oh, me man. because the way they positioned it, it's like we have created a whole new family of things. And I guess we can maybe assume we might see other things in studio later on. But having a computer and a monitor, branding them under one kind of umbrella, I love it. I think this is awesome. Because yeah. you know what? I have a studio and I'm in one right now and it's <laughs> Stevens. And Jason has a studio in his garage. And yeah. I love that they did that too, where it's like studios are all kinds of things to all different types of people. Yeah. I love this so much more than Pro because... Pro as a name, especially in computers, I think says something that like, I have to be a professional, but the work in studios can be creative work. It can be side work. It can be something you're trying to work out yourself. You don't consider yourself a professional, but hey, I'm using this computer in my studio. I really love it. Yeah, it it legitimate, like it legitimizes that sort of middle ground mm-hmm. in a way. Remember... That was one thing that was so great about the iMac Pro is that it sort of lived in the space this machine lives in where yeah. it get I mean all three of us owned them. Jason, you're still using one. Like mm-hmm. it gave people uh an option when the Mac Pro wasn't viable and then when it was but was expensive. And th- I mean, don't get me wrong, you can make the the Mac Studio, you can make it pretty expensive, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, I wrote this thing years and years ago. I think Jason, with your help, probably like the nineteen ninety nine tower. Like the idea that back in like the G five and early Mac Pro days, you could get a quote unquote Pro machine with a pretty low entry price, and that's something that's been missing. And mm-hmm. the Mac Studio fulfills that promise, but also you can spec it up with the chip we just spent twenty minutes talking about and make it a monster. And the range this machine seems to have. Uh, really, honestly, is is impressive to me, and I, I think I think they've got a winner on their hands. I'm excited. I, I feel, yeah, I think bringing up the iMac Pro is interesting because I think you can see in Apple in the 2010s this sort of struggle as the Mac Pro got more expensive because they they really did reposition the Mac Pro gradually. It used to be right Power Max, like everybody got Power Max. Yep. Everybody who's a a, a uh, an enthusiast, a power user, like there were so many people, you bought a Power Mac, you didn't buy an iMac, you didn't buy a Performa or whatever. You bought a Power Mac, that was the thing and that became so Power Mac became the Mac Pro. Um but 
like as it became the Power Mac G5 became the Mac Pro and then it has evolved since then, like it kept getting more expensive and more esoteric because the main line of Macs became more powerful. And, you know, uh, Stephen and I, I know, have talked about this uh, and we did it with uh, 20 Macs or 2020. Like when the original G3 iMac came out, anybody who was a serious Mac user looked at it and said it was basically a toy. Like it, it was not a serious, it was a underpowered thing for consumers. But if you if you follow if you chart the next fifteen years, um, it, it's hard to argue in the twenty tens at some point that that most people shouldn't buy an iMac if they want a desktop Mac or a Mac Mini because the Mac Pro became so expensive and so high powered and really a niche product for the very highest end, mm-hmm. and the iMac was so powerful that like I mean I think it wasn't just Apple deciding the Mac Pro would be expensive I think it's Apple also recognizing that the iMac was no longer compromised in the way it used to be and it was really the mainstream Mac most people should buy mm-hmm. if they wanted something on their desktop and then the Mac Mini I'll throw in there. This idea that you could config up, so you can configure up an iMac to put on like an i7 Intel processor and all of that, and you could config, and then they did an iMac Pro with a Xeon in it, and then you could config up the Mac Mini as well, and you end up in this really weird state where these products that are not high-end products, but they're being pushed up at their high-end uh, versions to be powerful enough that you don't need a Mac Pro. And when I think about Mac Studio, and I, I mean, we've only known about it for a couple of hours now, but when I, I start to grapple with it, I start to think about that attempt by Apple in the 2010s to sort of use the high end of Intel's processors that were available and the thermal dynamics of the systems that they had built um, to offer that level of performance. It's like not quite Mac Pro, but like good enough for almost everybody into these computers that were, you know, more mainstream, but you could, you could, you could spec them up. Mm-hmm. And the Mac studio feels to me like it's Apple saying, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that anymore. Like those systems are designed to be what they are. That 24 inch iMac is designed to be an M one. Um, and, and it's, if you want to be serious but not buy a Mac Pro. We have now made a product like we could. There are going to be a lot of people saying, "Is this the mythical mid-range mini tower? Is this the X Mac? It's yeah. not expandable, but it is. But it does fulfill in a lot of ways that middle ground for people like us who don't. Sorry, Stephen, don't need a Mac Pro. I mean, they're fun, but don't like need the performance that a Mac Pro brings. But are also not going to be satisfied professionally or personally with an M1 just an M1 iMac or something. And so I think it's I think it's a fascinating um new Mac in a new spot and I think it's kind of pulling out some of this stuff that Apple has tried to do at the high end of their products that probably weren't meant for it but it was the only way you could really get there if you yeah. didn't want to buy a Mac Pro. Yeah, it it's it's so interesting too that Apple they've left the I mean they said it but they also left the door open for the Mac Pro with the pricing of the Mac Studio, right? This, in a way, frees yeah. up the Mac Pro to be six grand. <laughs> well, my iMac Pro cost five grand, and it was the base model. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the Mac Studio starting at 2000 and it doesn't have a display, but I'll, I'm just going to say, don't know why I know this, uh, if you were to buy a Mac Studio and <laughs> a Studio display, one was you could do buy. that for a lot less than $5,000. Mm-hmm. A lot less. Oh, yeah. And and that's uh, 
that's interesting too in the light of the the 27 inch iMac not being a thing right now the intel one's gone there's no apple silicon replacement like a a decent mac studio plus a studio display which i mean jason can we just for a second like just enjoy they brought the name back a very historic name can you give some context please yeah, absolutely. Like what is what is the like Apple Studio display? Which one was that one? Yeah, so it was it, it was a name that lived on many displays from Apple, but I think the ones that most people would be familiar with are the uh the very early LCD. It was kind of like a name used of the very early LCDs and the very last CRTs. And so it was a very transitional period. They eventually went to cinema display, which is what they stayed with up until uh 2013 or so but i think studio display like bringing that name back a lot of people have fond memories of those they would like the clear i don't have one in here like the clear acrylic feet you don't have it i have the studio display crt i put it in our discord i have one right behind me right now yeah Yeah. uh i have a couple of them i think they're in the attic because they didn't work and i didn't have room in here but it's fun and it's fun that it comes with a mac that's named it you know a lot of people have sent me the picture, like the press photo of the G4 Cube and the studio display it came with. And yeah, like yep. this is kind of reliving that uh, a little bit, but hopefully it's not as cursed as other small desktops have been. The G4 Cube wasn't a great machine. It got canceled after a year. Right. Man, I was so worried, Jason. Uh, I like said something to Mike uh, when they were showing like the, you know, they do like the fly around thing of like what the computer's going to look like. And I was like, if this is another round computer. Yeah. I'm, they did that on purpose, I I'm think. I'm going to cry. Because yeah. they start they, they by like showing it. the circle of the bottom yeah. of the machine. And right? a circular power supply. Like, boy, that's mm-hmm. going to be fun when it breaks. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so I don't, I don't think they're repeating the mistakes of the Cube or the Mac Pro here, even though it's kind of fun to like point those, point those things out. Uh, this seems like it's, it's been designed with the future in mind. 7.7 inches square, 3.7 inches tall. I will say when they showed the ad, they did the ad, it was like Dream Machine ad, uh, which is really fun. And they were showing as well when they had the like, it wasn't a house set. I, I joked it was like a warehouse set that they had of like all these different studios. The machine looks physically bigger in situ than I expected it would. Um, and I think that's, I don't really know if I, like why I, I, I thought that, but it's, it's not small, that's for sure, right? It's, I mean, 7.7 is the Mac Mini size, so it's the Mac Mini footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a lot taller because yeah. the Mac Mini is a 1.4 inch height thing, and this is 3.7. So it's more than twice the size like two and a of half the Mac, Mac Mini. Minis. Yeah. If only I was somewhere where there were multiple Mac Minis that could be stacked they're, on they're top of there. each they're other. They're in the other room. I can't see them Stack from them where up. I am. Two and a half. Oh, yeah, look at them over there. Yeah, so it's like those bottom three kind of... Okay, so I can get an accurate representation of three Mac Minis stacked on top of each other in front of me. It's quite a big machine, Jason. Not going to lie. It's not a a little thing, and I think that goes to Stephen's point about like... It, this has been engineered for this kind of level of performance, right? And and the fact that it's running the uh, M1 Ultra, like whatever heat is going on there, and I know these don't don't run as hot and they don't use as much power because it's Apple Silicon, but still... Still. (laughs) They've built this thing... 
so that you can keep it cool and they they have the little holes yep. and they show the little person going into the holes in the video and yep. all of that but uh, also the i think the implication at the end there is that um she wakes up just before she's going to be cut like killed by yes, the blade she's falling the into fan. the fan she's going to die and then she wakes up because that's what wakes you up from yeah. a dream when you're about to die and is it nice that they're getting more use out of that home set too uh, I just a different great. one. That was a different one. It was much bigger. I don't know. It felt to me like it was the same. It was the same set, but they redressed it to make it more studio like. Yeah. I also don't think a lot of it was real. But um, the the machine's uh, thermal stuff looks interesting, right? So it looks like air gets brought into the bottom because the bottom is raised and it passes through the machine. They have these two big fans going on. They call it an innovative thermal system. Then there were two hundred tiny holes on the back where the air is exhausted. If we get take out to the back, we've got a lot of I.O. One thing I was surprised about, there is no MagSafe here, not even the MagSafe on the iMac. It's just a standard power yeah. like adapter that plugs into the back. With an internal power supply, so you mm-hmm. don't have a brick. Yep. Uh, which, again, is yeah. not a big deal on the desktop, I think, as you all spoken about. It's but, fine, yeah. But it being internal is just a, a little bit nicer. Yep. You know? And they can keep it cooler that way because it's actually part of the cooling system. The, right. the air flows over the power supply, which I'm sure actually helps a lot. Uh, but the amount of I.O. on this machine is wild. So we have four Thunderbolt 4 ports on the back. This is one on the back. 10 gigabit Ethernet, two USB-A, which I know, I'm sure you're very happy about, Jason. We were talking about that. Uh, HDMI yeah. and a Pro Audio Jack, which is an audio jack with support for the high impedance headphones. Then on right. the front, which I love that they put I.O. on the front. Uh, if you have the M1 Max, you get two USB-C ports. If you have the M1 Ultra, you get two Thunderbolt 4 ports and an SD card slot. I love that. You put I.O. on the front of the machine. It shows that you are aware that people have temporary use, you know? Like, oh, I just need to pull something off this. Oh, I just need to plug this in for a minute so I can charge my iPhone or plug it in for a minute so I can pull pictures from my iPhone. Having those I.O. on the front, that really shows me, it's a simple thing, but it shows me this idea of like, we actually thought about this machine and how it will get used. I love that. The name studio actually means something. I should be clear because the way you phrased it was kind of unclear. There's an SD card slot regardless of what chip is in it. The SD Uh, card slot is there. Mm -hmm. It's just a question of whether it's USB-C or Thunderbolt on the front. Yeah, very good. Very good. Um, It can support tons of monitors. Right, like because you've got all the Thunderbolt four ports and a HDMI. Mm-hmm. I think they said like yeah. four displays and a TV. It can do. Uh, sure. Should we talk about some of the performance statistics of this machine? Uh, again, I don't. I mean, they all just kind of pour like out and roll over me, yeah. and I'm like, okay, it it's huge. Like, yeah. right? I mean, because it's everything we knew about the M1 Max, and then there's also the M1 Ultra. Mm-hmm. So it it is. Expand your mind about what a Mac can do because that's basically what this thing is. It's going to smoke my 12 core Mac Pro massively. And oh yeah, and and they, some of the specific benchmarks they were comparing to like the 28 core Mac Pro, and they did some of that with the with the MacBook Pros in the fall when they introduced the M1 Max for the first time. But the M1 Ultra, of course, basically doubles all of it. And yeah, I mean, if you have any Intel Mac, this machine is going to be as fast or faster than it in anything. And again, like there's headroom open for the future, but having this amount of performance, uh, even at the the base model at, at two grand is impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so like just, you know, really they compared it to, they didn't show any comparisons to other M1 machines because I don't really think that that was 
worth it. But they did show comparisons to the iMac, the 27-inch iMac, which is basically the iMac Pro, and the Mac Pro. And it was just like, you know, multiple times faster than the iMac in every way. And then it's like between 50 and 90% faster, depending on the statistic that you're looking at, to the Mac Pro on both CPU and GPU. Mm-hmm. Like that performance stuff is just unbelievable. Um, with up to 128 gigs of memory on the Ultra and 8 terabytes SSD yeah. you can put in that thing. On either one. Yeah, yeah. It, we didn't really mention this uh, in detail, but basically the M1 Ultra doubles everything about the Max. And so it's twice the memory capacity. Everything's basically twice as fast. It's very linear, just like the M1 to M1 Pro mm-hmm. was as well. But, uh, you know, it does get it does get pricey, like we said. Uh, you are going to pay for that M1 Max. I mean, if you if you go to the order page, you can play with it, of course. But going from an M1 Pro to an M1 Ultra is uh, at least a thousand dollars, depending on where you're going from. Uh, Twelve to fourteen hundred, basically. And then if you go all the way to the big one, it adds twenty four hundred dollars to the price. So the chips are pricey, but if that's what you need and that's what you've been waiting for, then I mean, even like a, a pretty loaded, I'm just hitting all the buttons now, which is a fun game, a fully loaded oh, good. M1 Studio, uh, excuse me, fully loaded Mac Studio is going to be about eight grand US. So yeah, yeah. that's Mac Pro money, but it's also going to mm-hmm. be shockingly faster than the Mac Pro uh, ever could be because of this this architecture change. The full-on Mac Studio maxes out at eight grand, by the way, with the Ultra. Yeah. That's as high as you can get it to. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, I thought you said the Max. No, sorry, I meant I meant Ultra. Okay, these cool. names are confusing. Yeah, there you we go. will so the remember Ultra. Extreme yeah. because we have to say it that way every time. But yes, it, um, it could be worse. They could have called this the Mac Max M- or M1 Pro Max, as the chip name would have been miserable. But uh, right, and then you end up with a like an M1 Studio Mac Studio with the M1 Max. Is the it's there's a lot of name mm, stuff going yeah. on, but we'll get used to it. Like I got used to saying MacBook, so yeah, we'll figure it out. So we teased it for long enough. You know, Stephen, a second ago, I think it was either you or Jason. Your voice is a, a, just mixing in my brain right now. It's like <laughs> the people that are waiting Hello. for these types of machines. Yeah. I feel like I'm on a podcast of two people Hi. who have been waiting yeah. for this kind of machine. Jason, uh-huh. did you buy one of these? Oh yeah. Okay. Do you want to yep. tell me about that? I, I in the gap between the event ending and us starting this podcast, I bought the base just like the iMac Pro. I bought the base model, except I upgraded to two terabytes of internal storage because I have one on my iMac Pro, and I decided it might be nice to have a little bit more than that because every now and then I feel like I need to clear some stuff out in order to uh so i'm going to spend a little more on that but otherwise so yours it's the base is model. 10 core cpu 24 core gpu that's because yeah. you, you can you can my gpu them. needs are not enormous right mm-hmm. like I, I i'm never like oh man i need to pay for some more gpu i i really like the the a lot of the stuff i do is is really more processor bound in terms of audio plugins and stuff like that so and i'm not you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend for uh, an M1 Ultra, like I said, I feel like that is for people who are way beyond my needs. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need to go there. But I did, like, because again, you can cancel the order, and and if you don't get in immediately, are they are they going to push it back and say that we're not going to be able to ship it for another two months or something like that? So, um, but yeah, that's that's the plan. I've, I've got an order in, put down my Apple Card, and said, give me that 
Give me that computer. I want it. 3% cash back, right? Is that what you got? 3%? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It says on the order form, it says, you have an Apple card on file with with us. And if you use it, you will save this amount of money. (laughs) It's like it's integrated into Mm -hmm. the checkout page. All right, we get it. Uh, We'll we'll come back to your decision in a minute, Jason. I want to ask Stephen too. Have you ordered one of these? Yes. What did you order? Uh, I also ordered the M1 Max. Okay. Uh, neither of you push that big button. Huh? No, and I did 60- not even for science. Not even for science. Okay. I did sixty-four gigabytes of unified memory, uh, and I have unlike Jason who has a, a home server. I don't have that anymore. All my I've been really used to having all my data on my machine. I don't want to go back. So I did push the big button for the eight terabyte SSD. Oh. <laughs> uh, so my machine Damn. is five grand. It's the cost of the base level. Hello, uh, iMac. Pro was, or you know, pretty close to the base Mac Pro. Uh, have you ever heard of those things? What are they called? Oh, external SSDs. I'm still, still going to need those. Yes. Uh, I'm sitting here thinking that just not two minutes ago, I had to try to justify to you that I was going to splurge on two terabytes hey, of who, storage. Yeah. I, I, I felt like there was no justification needed, Jason, because I always yeah. go to two oh, terabytes. Yeah, too. I just, I, years ago, I just gave up on the home server idea and. Uh, my data set is a little over, is like five terabytes or something. So mm-hmm. uh, that is what it is. But uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to use it with the Pro Display I already have. So it will just take place of the Mac Pro. And if anyone's interested in a really nice 2019 Mac Pro, <laughs> please send me an you know, email. Life, com- life comes at you fast. Life comes at you fast. Like we didn't know this computer existed. And I found myself buying it. Yeah. Um, almost immediately upon hearing about its existence. It was, that's quite a, a whirlwind because I I had to you know we talk about it theoretically and we're like oh yeah you know what will what will you do if they do this and that which we didn't even discuss this scenario really mm-hmm. um, but like a Pro Mac Mini and an external display what would you nobody do nobody knew about this until the weekend right like this is when but ha- hats off to nine to five Mac by the way they called yeah. both mm-hmm. of these they, incredible they reporting it. over there that they managed to get they got this. It. This wasn't and Gurman in my had mind. a lot of these details, but didn't have the like had a lot of the details out there, but didn't have the specific yep. kind of this is what it, this product is. What yeah. this machine is not is the next Mac Mini. It's not that. Like it is it's much not. much more than that. Is this his half height Mac Pro? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I think I this know. is Mark Gurman's uh, smaller Mac Pro. I think that smaller this Mac is one hundred percent what this is. If I mean, if you heard everything except the name. Right, you would go. Yeah. Oh, that's a small Mac Pro. Yeah, yeah. and the, it was interesting when they introduced it. They mentioned modularity, and that is different from upgradability. This thing doesn't have any slots. Again, maybe that's room for the Mac Pro in the future, but it's not. It's got an SD card slot. It's got an SD card slot, but doesn't. You know what I mean? It has. <laughs> Jason. It's, it's exactly a, slot. a card slot. Is it Jason. not a slot? Come on, I think and it you is put a, a card in it. It doesn't. I hate both of you. It does. <laughs> if you think it, it isn't a slot, it well, it doesn't have know, internal expansion, <laughs> right? You're not putting more drives inside of this. Mm-hmm. It's a it's sure. a sealed box like everything else. That's why you got to get the eight terabyte yep. big boy. Someone's got to do it. Am That's I right. right. Yeah. Even even since you guys know me feel bad, I'm screen sharing to my Mac Pro, like looking at my folder sizes like could i squeeze it down to four and not very comfortably so i no. would do look live your best life that's right but my, my question yeah. is i just don't think you need that amount of stuff inside the machine like accessible all times but look hey live your best life my friend that's right yep. you know do it this machine for me i'm very intrigued by it. i have not ordered one i am i love my m1 Mac, imac very much but my plan was always, spoke about this, right, with, with both of you, 
to do, you know, like, oh, I'll go to the next Pro Mac that's not a Mac Pro because I don't need a Mac Pro, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably this machine might be the only option. We'll jump ahead a little bit. Like John Turner said at the end, we have one more to go and it's the Mac Pro, but that's for another day. Well, And we're we're going to talk in our next segment about the other product yep. that got announced here, right? And I think it's worth saying now in, in the context of the Mac Studio that for depending on your lifestyle and what you want to do, especially if you've already bought a MacBook Pro with a Pro or Max chip, mm-hmm. you know, there are going to be a lot of people leading the external monitor at my desk kind of life. Mm-hmm. And and the fact is, the performance is great over there. Mm-hmm. It really is. And that you could you could make that argument of like, well, why even get a Mac Studio at the low end? Why not just get a, a MacBook Pro and then you can unhook it and take it with you? And yep. I, that for some people, that's going to be a perfectly good argument to make. But some of us are sort of like... Uh, desktop users and want to have that powerful desktop and and this one fits the bill for me and this was the thought that like i would get you know and now i would live that two i'm living a two computer life now and i would continue to do that and i would have the the iMac Pro and the MacBook Pro. And I feel like I'm in a bit of a loss now because I'm not really sure what's going on. <laughs> but this machine looks really, really cool and really exciting. I just haven't re- I just haven't sat down and looked at it and really thought about it because I'm getting on great with my M1 iMac. We're having a fun time. Uh, and like maybe for me, like this wouldn't be a decision I would make until after experiencing the studio display because I actually think that that's important for me to work out what my future is going to be like like how well does the studio display integrate into my setup uh, maybe i bought one of those we'll talk about it in a bit uh but it is fascinating and i i am i'm really really intrigued we've got a few weeks to go right until these things start arriving is it march 18th is when they start arriving is that is yes. that correct that's right a week from friday so it's gonna i mean Maybe this is famous lost words. I don't imagine myself putting an order on one of these before like people start getting them and reviewing them. Um, but this is an absolutely fascinating computer, but it is only one half of the story. This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Memberful, which is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web to generate sustainable recurring income while also diversifying your revenue stream. You've, gonna, you've heard us so many times talking about the Relay FM membership program, like Upgrade Plus is part of that. What you might not know, but you should know, is that Memberful is the platform that we use to power it because they make it so incredibly easy to generate the extra revenue stream, but also help us just deliver the bonus content that we want in just the way that we want to do it. What I love about Memberful is every single Relay FM member, you know, when they sign up for Upgrade Plus or whatever show they want to support, they get a feed for that specific show that is their own. So whenever they're paying, they get it. If they stop paying, then they don't get their content anymore, which is really important for us when we were thinking about delivering this like ad-free bonus content stuff. We wanted to make sure that it was only going to go to our paying members. And Memberful makes it so incredibly easy to make sure it all works the way that we want. Maybe you're already producing content and you're relying on advertising or other means of income. Memberful makes it incredibly easy to diversify that with everything that you're going to want to run a membership program of your own, like custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcast feeds, and tons more, while still leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, brand, and membership. You can now send paid email newsletters as well directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider, which is going to save you money because you don't have to pay an external 
service, and you can even publish your paid newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members-only website. There is no additional fee for this when signed up for Memberful's pro or premium plans. If you're a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. Get started for free at memberful.com upgrade of no credit card required. That's memberful.com upgrade. Go there now and check it out. It could be the start of something exciting. My thanks to Memberful for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Studio display time. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I didn't pick it in the draft specifically because I've been beaten down. Yep. I always want it for like a year and it yep. never, nope. ever happens. And here it is. It happened. This is the thing I wanted the most, you know, like of, of yeah. especially when we thought what we might be going into, because this is the, you know, I've spoken about it before. The place I have the most frustration in my life is with the LG display that I have, which just doesn't work the way that I want. And Apple delivered here. And I had so many, like, I was on a roller coaster ride, Jason, because it was like, oh, here's the monitor. This is the monitor that I want. Oh, no, there's no adjustable stand. Yeah, there's an adjustable stand. But how much is it going to cost? Like, it was like, I was having a real ride. And this is what I bought. I bought one of these. Oh. Yeah. Uh, It's $400 for the adjustable stand, by the way. $400. Yeah. That's cheaper than I thought it was going to be. It's not the, it's not the, it may actually be the pro stand. I guess someone will take it apart and look, but. It's not the cost of the pro stand, mm-hmm. which is nice. So I bought the studio display standard glass with the tilt and height adjustable stand. So it wasn't cheap, and it's going to come sometime in early April, I think, for me. Well, I bought the um, base amount. You'll be shocked to know. No, no. way! <laughs> Shock horror! And it, it looks like, unlike your iMac Pro, this is a make-your-decision-at-time-of-purchase type thing oh really i mean looking at pictures um you know this is this is day one so maybe we're not sure yet but it seems like you're not changing between these in the future right okay they're like pretty pretty fixed it looks like looking at the pictures and looking at apple's language you pick your stand type and that is your stand type forevermore yeah i mean like the the images on apple's uh like on the buying page you can scroll through the three of them and you're right that doesn't look like there's somewhere to say mount the vesa arm it like the mount that you need it looks like that that is just on that model yeah. that you're buying yeah and so maybe like i'm not getting mine until early april because they don't have as many with yeah. the stand on them or maybe. whatever but this is what i want like I, you know for me I didn't want to buy this monitor and then put it on another riser again. Like right. what I wanted was something that I could have free adjustment over because that's really important to me. Yeah, and the Pro Stand is with these features. Again, not quite sure if this is the same hardware. The features are really nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've sat at my desk this week. You can move the Pro Display all around, and it's nice and smooth. Well, people can. I would just say, just just a bit of behind the scenes. I sat down at Stephen's desk a little bit earlier on, Jason. To He was like, oh, why mm-hmm. don't you come, instead of sitting on this small desk that we set up to record, why don't you come and sit on my desk? It'll be more comfortable. So I brought my laptop over. He says, don't touch the display. That's what he <laughs> said to me. He said, you can't use the display. You have to look at your well, laptop. Well, you know, it's, it. it's, the cable's routed over to the Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. It would be yeah, it been so thing. hard. It would have been so difficult to do. It would have been so hard. Jason, what did you get for the studio display? Um, Base model, base amount. That was it. Base face. Base face. Base face. Ace of Ace Base of face. I gave it, yeah, shiny face. <laughs> Not the nano texture. I don't need that. No. Um, and uh, face amount. Because I I mean, this. I anticipate, I didn't look at the tech specs, but I anticipate it'll be lighter than an iMac Pro. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, that's definitely what I want. I did. I, I did confirm, by the way. This is literally the same panel that Apple has used in the 5K iMac for all Amazing. of these years. That's what this is. It that's is really what good. everybody asked for, which is a standalone mm-hmm. display of the 5K monitor that was in the iMac yeah. and iMac Pro. So uh, that's that's great. Let like, me give some great. some space with an A13 fades. for fun. Yeah, 27 inches, 5K Retina, 600 nits of brightness, P3 color, true tone. All the things that you expect from a 27 inch iMac, which rest in peace, uh, is in this display. And then it also has an A13 Bionic in it. Mm-hmm. Now, when they were talking about this in the presentation, they went on to talk about the 12 megapixel ultra wide with center stage and the mics and then the speakers. It didn't make sense to me why the A13 Bionic was needed for these things. Do either of you have an idea on this? I I do know this, actually. So it's two things. It's center stage, and it's uh, processing the audio for spatial audio. It's doing both of those tasks. Okay. And if if you're asking yourself, well, why not just let the Mac do it? These things are actually compatible with Intel Macs. And so they're oh offloading God. all of that kind of stuff That's to so the smart. A13 on the display instead. That's really smart. And I guess as well, going into the future, it gives them a bit of flexibility to do. There might be some other fun stuff that they might want to do, you know? I don't know Could what. Be. but Because yeah, what this doesn't have is Face ID. Mm-hmm. Disappointed? Yeah, I... Um, yeah, it... it... <laughs> I don't know if I've seen the evidence of Apple's desire to put Face ID on (laughs) a Mac. No. I mean, look, I'm disappointed, but I wasn't expecting it, if that makes sense. Like, I would love it to have been there, but I didn't think it was going to be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Three USB-C ports on the monitor, and then a Thunderbolt port for connecting to a Mac. And this delivers 96 watts of power, so I would be able to plug in my 14-inch MacBook Pro. It would pull in everything and, I guess, pass over any I.O. through the Thunderbolt cable. I expect how that's supposed to work. And then also keep it powered. This is exactly what I was looking for. I'm so happy. It's kind of reminiscent of the old Thunderbolt display. Now, that had Ethernet on it, too, because you can adapt USB-C to basically Mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, the one cable lifestyle. It actually will fast charge your 14-inch macbook pro Mm -hmm. and it will keep up with the 16 uh, as with that 96 watt that's the the rating for the 16 inch macbook pro so yeah if you're the type of user and a lot of people are right a lot of people especially back in the day you know notebook plus display and that's one reason apple's lack of a display is still expensive right this is not a 500 hundred dollar dell that you know casey bought a couple of but it's not a pro display xdr price tag either no i mean i maybe it's just that apple has again sort of like tormented us so long but this is less than i thought that they were going to charge us they were licking linking through all the features listing all those features like oh and it's got center stage and it charges it's got all these ports and all that and i'm like oh man this is going to be a two thousand dollar display isn't it and it's not i mean it's not cheap Mm -mm. but uh, no, none of us expected an Apple standalone display to be price competitive with displays from other manufacturers. None of us really believe that, right? That's not the game Apple plays. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more expensive, but it's going to be the Apple one. And you and we've learned, if anything, Apple has taught us in the last five years or longer, ten years, is um, what's the world like when you don't get the Apple display mm-hmm. <laughs> or you can't get the Apple display? And uh, is it, what's that worth to you, buddy? <laughs> and this is the answer, but um, it's less than I, I feared it would be. 
And, you know, I put my money down for it. So there you go. This isn't a problem by any stretch, but I was looking on the TextFX page. And the Thunderbolt port is Thunderbolt 3. It's just funny because they seem to put 4 on everything now. Right? Yeah, well, there's not really a difference in bandwidth between 3 and 4, I don't think. Okay, so what's the difference then? Uh, Thunderbolt 4, um, I believe, we talked about this on Connected at some point. I'm trying to remember the details. But it, it is the one that sort of collapses USB and Thunderbolt into one spec. Okay. But my guess is, it, it, even if there is a difference, and there may be, the chat room may be correcting me, uh, using Thunderbolt 3 does what Jason said. It gets you backwards compatibility with Thunderbolt 3 Intel Mac. So you can run this with a 2016 MacBook Pro or an yeah. iMac from 2017, the iMac Pro, any Mac with Thunderbolt 3. And my guess is that that was uh, important to them, that they wanted to be able to support a pretty wide range of machine. And so Thunderbolt 3 gives them that. Thunderbolt 4 doesn't really give them anything they need past that. So I don't think, I don't view that as a spec of like, oh, that's weird. They did something old. Like, mm-hmm. I think it gives them a nice uh, range of benefits for people who are holding on to those Intel machines for some reason yeah. and want an external display. Why not serve that group too? Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm so happy they're back into this business. Like, I'm just really happy. I, you know, and I'm not one of these people who are like, oh, I can't look at this LG, mo-, you know, like I'm not like that. Like, it's not a design no. thing for me. It purely has been like my functionality experience of external displays and docks and stuff has just been really poor. And I just, I naturally expect that, uh, I will be able to get a much better experience out of an Apple-made monitor because this is what it's for. And breaking news, we have some real-time uh, follow-up from uh, the king of cables himself, Federico Vitici. Thunderbolt 4 provides 100-watt charging on a single cable plus 8K single monitor. That's one of the things that it okay. does that 3 doesn't. So it does have some extended ability, but nothing they need for this. And yes, because none, you don't need either of those features. But I guess that's why uh, it... Does the 16 do fast charging at all? I think if you get that giant, giant brick, charger. So yeah. that's probably why they said it fast charges the 14. Right. Because that's yes. not enough right. power. Because it's the essentially 16. providing the power that the smaller brick yep. yeah. provides, not the one that the giant brick that's just in the in the 16 mm-hmm. inch. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, oh, by the way, you can plug an iPad into it too. Woo! Oh, wow. Okay. Because no, um, that's a iPad Air. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can plug an iPad into it for the poor experience <laughs> that exactly you will be wanting right. to accept from yeah, exactly that. Right. Well, maybe someday they will uh, do a software update that enables a better experience now that they have an external display. But for now, you can plug it in for the bad experience. You can, yeah. you can get that if you want. I think it's really uh, interesting the design language they chose for this because it it's basically the 24-inch iMac without the chin, but from the front, it really looks like a pro display. Like They've kind of walked the line between looking related to both of those products, and you know, it fits in line with Apple's modern design language of flat sides, you know, tight corners. I think it looks really nice. Uh, I kind of wish it was available in more colors, but that is what it is, I guess. But... Um, from the front, if you didn't know, you may think it's a pro display because it's got those thin black bezels and the squared off look. I love it. I love that yeah. they've got the t- it's got those two looks, right? Depending on the stand that you go for, you can either make it look like an iMac or make it look like a pro display, which is kind of funny, really. And the truth is, it's 
you know, we're f- so focused today. I mean, maybe Mike isn't, but uh, on the fact that it's coming out with a Mac Studio. So you've got the studio display in the Mac Studio and, and everybody's talking about it. But like, not only is this for older Intel Macs, it's for uh, MacBook Air and for the, the M1 Mac Mini. Yep. And like, I mean, it is for it's everything. Everything. It's for everything. Yeah, like I, I'm excited about the Mac Studio, but I need to think more about it. Like I want this computer, but I don't know if it's the right one for me. Like I need, I, I feel like this is something I really need to get my head around. But as I said, like the Studio Display is like this is exactly for me. Like this is what I want. They put everything in it that I wanted in your studio. In Mega Studio, it's going to be the Apple Studio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it called the? It's called the Apple Studio Display, right? That's yeah. the full name. Right. Apple Studio Display in Mega Studio. I'm very excited. Do you, either of you have any more thoughts on the studio display? Because I want to come back to addressing what John Turner said at the end. I think my closing statement on the display is just like, it's about time. Like, we've talked about this for so long. And I kind of feel today the same sense of relief I felt when they replaced the butterfly keyboard. It's like, we had this ongoing complaint, legitimate complaint, Mm -hmm. about Apple's product strategy with the Mac. And now... Like, this was the last low-hanging fruit in my mind. Like, I can't really think sitting here today, like, what's the the big thing that's wrong with with the lineup? And I really can't put my finger at anything. Yeah, because we're still in this transition. There's still more to come. We're going to go with that in a second. But this was such a gaping hole for so long. Uh, You know, it seems like they've really got this right. The prices is... Like we said, it's expensive, but it's what you were going to get from Apple. Maybe le- maybe even cheaper, what we were thinking. Uh, so I'm really impressed. I don't have space for this. I don't have need for this. But I know there are tons of people who do. And I think people are really going to be excited to to ditch that, you know, that LG 5K they bought in 2017 with something like this. Yeah, and for me, I, I you know, I just wanted to mention the stands again because I care about this stuff. And um I, I love that there's a vase amount, but we knew we were going to have that, but it's also no extra and that they've got the standard stand that looks like an iMac foot um, for the standard price. And then they've got this, you know, $400 tilt stand. And I'm sure they're going to get grief because they always are now after that uh, Pro Display XDR stand was $1,000 for yeah. selling a $400 stand. And I wish that it was cheaper, obviously. But at the same time, I'm glad that they didn't make it standard and have the whole price of the thing be higher. Yeah, I'm glad that it's an option, and and you know really because we talked about this with the 24 inch iMac, I'm just really glad that they made it so that people who want more adjustability have access to it without having to do something like a Visa mount on a Visa stand that is adjustable. Like because because the fact is. For a lot of people, depending on their ergonomics, depending on how tall they are or the, where their desk is or whatever, the standard fixed height of like an iMac isn't a good height or it isn't a good height in certain circumstances. And so I'm glad that they built this option to have that sort of tilt adjustment stand um, for people, even though it is you know pricey. I'm glad it exists because they could have just not done it. Agreed. And and even though we could say, well, yeah, but it should just be standard at that price. It's like, well, yeah, okay, maybe, but um, they chose not to do it that way, and I can understand. It's probably not. It's probably engineered, maybe not like the XDR stand, but it's probably engineered really well. <laughs> One of those things where they spared no expense on it, 
And so that's why it costs what it does. But I'm just so happy that it exists because I know there are a lot of people out there who um, complain about you get this beautiful iMac or display and then you have to put it on a on a dictionary or something. And that's not great. I think the biggest difference for me, like, yeah, I agree. There's always going to be people like, oh, this, this stands this now. But the difference being with this uh, monitor over the XDR, with the XDR, you had to choose one of them, either the stand or the VESA, and it was always more money, right? Like, the $1,000 stand was the only stand you could put the monitor on, right? So it's like you're kind of out of luck. But with this one, well, you get the regular stand, and then if you want to go extra, go extra. That's up to you. But with the Pro Display XDR, it's like, well, you could just balance it, I guess, right? Like, yeah. Or like, yeah. what was John Syracuse saying about, like, getting a child to hold it for you? I think I, think I remember that, WWDC. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this. This was the thing uh, that's got me the mob pump right now because it's, it's really solving something. Uh, Jason and I have been asking the Upgradians for some ask upgrade questions, and they've, they've got lots of them, so should we get to a few? Yeah, let's do it. Thank you. And this uh, first one from Peter addresses what I wanted to talk about with what John Turner's uh, mentioned at the end. Peter says, do you think the iMac Pro name will ever be used again? <sighs> So, so as a as a recap, as a recap, real quick, the like John Turner said, one more to go, Mac Pro. That's for another day. Yeah. So Stephen just posted something on Five Twelve Pixels, um, where wow. he's like, ah, this guy, it'll ride again. And my feeling is the exact opposite, which is I think there will be a twenty-seven inch iMac at some point, but I think the days of the iMac being pushed up with high spec stuff for for more prosumer kind of users are probably over for a while hmm. if you know, never say never but but i feel like what the mac studio is saying and what the studio display is saying is apple's gonna apple has like we said earlier found this place where the consumer macs are over here and the mac pros over here and instead of us complaining that the mac pro is too high end and the consumer macs are you know over kind of like being pushed out of what they're for in order to fulfill the desires of people who want a little bit more that the Mac studio exists now. So um, that's my gut feeling is that there will not ever be an iMac pro again, but that there, I think there will be a 27 inch iMac at some point, probably like using an M2, but it's just going to be a bigger version of the 24. It's not going to be pushed where it's got pro chips in it or max chips in it or Mm -hmm. ultra chips in it. It's going to be just a bigger of the base iMac and and it can go back to being that and i i do you know there'll be rumors i i will just say i i don't believe that we have we've seen the last of the bigger iMac i i i know that they it's end of life and it's over for now but i i you know you know how at the end of a concert everybody cheers and then the the people come back on stage for the encore Mm -hmm. and like everybody knows that's going to happen i kind of feel like that's what's happening with the 27 inch imac is they're probably already working on it but next year they're going to be like you know we heard that people loved it and so we decided to bring it back it's like you already decided i bet i bet Mm -hmm. but i don't think imac pro i don't think i don't think deforming the imac um product line in order to stick a pro model in it i i think the mac studio's existence means they won't ever do that again so let me offer my counterpoint uh please do the 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 outgoing intel 27 inch imax the starting prices range from 1800 dollars to 2300 dollars, depending on the cpu you got the cheapest mac studio 
studio display combination is $3,600 before you buy $200 worth of keyboards and mice. Of course, you could put a Mac Mini next to a studio display, but the Mac Mini isn't running in the same circles as the old high-end iMac and this new Mac Studio machine, right? Because it's just the M1. Now, the Intel Mac Mini is still for sale. Maybe there is an M1 Pro Mac Mini coming at some point in the future. We did not see that today. But I think that as it stands right now, Apple may want people to go buy a Mac Studio and a Studio Display to replace an old 27-inch iMac. But you're spending possibly a good bit more to do that. And I, I think that's that's... You know, we were talking earlier a second ago about holes in the lineup. Maybe this is one beginning to form, but uh, it's just it's it's it feels a little bit strange not to have that that machine around. Um, and and the reason I think the iMac Pro name in particular could come back, which I didn't think months ago, and I've changed my mind on it, and I, I feel even more so about it today, is let the iMac be the consumer desktop, right? It comes in colors. That's its history, right? I mean, there's an orange one like three feet away from Mike right now. It's it's that, it's that fun consumer machine. An iMac Pro could come in at a higher price and kind of fill the space above it and like making the iMac brand almost more pure, not stretching mm-hmm. it. And so uh, I think we will see something. I think the iMac Pro name will come back. It's just a matter of 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 when and that's why i found turnus's line so interesting like yeah he he answered the question what will happen to the mac pro because mike when we were sitting on my couch watching and i asked you i was like well what does this mean for the mac pro turnus answered that well the mac pro is coming you know that is like slogan of the decade for mac users like the new mac pro is coming yeah <laughs> it's always coming but but even that doesn't really fill the hole that the big iMac leaves behind. And so uh, I think we'll see something. And I think them saying, you know, that's the last one to make the transition. That doesn't close the door on a big iMac. I think it may be a bit more interesting than that in the future. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I guess you think you are thinking more about Apple's um, benevolence than I am. I think the, <laughs> I'm in a good mood, man. Apple... We got a cube-shaped computer. <laughs> I know. I sort of. I'm a sort of. cube, but I, cube. I think uh, it's more likely that what Apple's going to say is, "Look, Apple Silicon is so powerful that for most people's uses, all you really need is to get an iMac or a Mac Mini or a laptop, yeah, and a MacBook Air, even, and you'll be fine. And if you want that screen." Um, you can get the external display or you can buy maybe down the road a 27-inch iMac, but it's just going to be an M2 or, or something like that, which is just an M2. Like, it's pretty good. And then somebody will say, this is the reverse of the whole X-Mac argument, which is somebody will say, but but what if I want more? And Apple will say, that's what you buy. Mac Studio, uh, external monitor. If you yeah. want more, that's it. And yes, there's a little bit of a hole there, but I think that that is Apple saying um, we're not going to make, th- we're not going to repurpose our consumer products for a high-end model in order to fulfill that. We built a product for you and that's, and it costs what it costs. Yeah. And the good news is that when you come, we come out with a new one in two years, you won't have to replace your monitor. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll find out, right? I mean, German has said he expects another wave of Macs in the May-June timeframe, so either before or at 
WWDC. Mark Gurman has been so all over the place with the big one. He doesn't know about it. I mean, we've been talking about yeah. this for weeks. He seems to have been a little bit trying to read tea leaves on that one. That yeah. adds to me my feeling. So I think the iMac Pro is gone. I don't think. I think you know we spoke about this. We spoke about this so many times. The iMac Pro is from an alternate timeline. And right. now that space has been occupied by the Mac Studio. It is the professional mm-hmm. computer for most people, right? The high-end computer for most people. Yeah, but that leaves people out who just want a big iMac, who don't care that it had a well, Xeon in it or whatever. So I think that's. I think it doesn't leave them out because I do think that there will be a 27-inch iMac at some point, but it's not yeah. going to be a pro-level thing. It's going to be yeah. like an M2. And that'll be what it is, and you'll get twenty four or twenty seven. I, I could even see that there isn't going to be another big iMac. It's just like they have one computer. It's called iMac. Yeah, it's wild, right? Like, Maybe. can you can you imagine going back like two years and be like, "There's going to be intense debate about the future of the iMac." It's like, but that's the bread and butter. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's the flagship, right? And and here we are. Um, but you know, Apple has these opportunities in these transitions to redefine what these machines are. Right. And that's what we've seen today. We've seen them take a form factor they flirted with over the last 20 years with the cube and the trash can and say, hey, we're going to make something new that sits on your desk. It's really powerful and quiet. And maybe they're doing that, you know, in these other areas as well. It's, it's, it's fun to be able to debate it and to talk about it because, like, when's the last time there was any debate about, like, what the iMac was or should be? Oh, yeah. Now, this goes back, I mean, I said this earlier, but this goes back to the iMac getting redefined as the computer that was not just for consumers, but was for, you know, people at the fairly high end, but not so high end that they bought a Mac Pro. And and that happened gradually, but it yeah. did happen. And I feel like this is maybe Apple going back a little bit and redefining it again and saying, no, we're not going to do that this time with the iMac. We're not going to make it have this range like we did with Intel processors where we could get you something that was fairly low end and we can get you something that's pretty high end and they're all jammed in the same enclosure with the same cooling system. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. And and so um, in terms of that, you mentioned that event that's that may be coming up that Mark Gurman talked about. Um, it does feel like this was the wrap on the... M1, right? This is the last new M1 chip. Yeah. That's that's absolutely the case. So, you know, that MacBook Air rumor is out there, and there was the MacBook Pro rumor. There's a bunch of M2 laptop rumors out there. And I don't know whether that'll be in May or June or whether it'll be later in the summer or in the fall or whatever, but, like, it feels to me like the next Mac announcement is going to be, now here's the M2. Yeah. You know, and I just and th- and sitting here thinking about it, you know, maybe we've all sliced the bread too thinly. Is that a phrase? Is it, I have absolutely no, no idea what may- that means. Maybe we've parsed his his comment too closely. You know, maybe Apple does view the big and small iMac as kind of the same machine, same well, family machine. There, so it's this, like, yeah, the Mac Pro's left. We already did the iMac. It's like, don't pay attention. Yeah, well, and officially, <laughs> the twenty-seven inch iMac is end of life today, right? Yeah. So, like, it, it how <laughs> if Apple doesn't. Uh, introduce like doesn't talk about future products, but they're going to stop making an Intel iMac that really they shouldn't be selling anymore, right? Um, well, what happens? What exactly what we just saw, which is even if they were making a larger iMac for next year, they wouldn't necessarily say that. Now they just say the old one is gone, <laughs> and that's what they didn't say. We're never going to do the bigger one. They just said it's gone. That one is gone. 
I think it's even weirder that they got rid of the old one. Like to me, them just end of lifing the old, the, the the existing one today. That's more evidence to me that there isn't a bigger one on the horizon. Yeah, why? I why? think so. So reading the tea leaves again about what German's reports have been. It sounds to me like maybe there has been a project, but it has kind of been on and off mm-hmm. or it's been delayed. And he had that one report where it was like they haven't started working on the bigger iMac. Yep. So I, I wonder if maybe the truth is that they looked at the Mac Studio and they looked at the external display and said, this will get us through for a while. And then we'll push that other larger iMac down the road and do it next year. We'll do, or, you know, probably they said it last year. So they like, like, but in 23, we'll, we'll get to it, but, but it'll be okay in the meantime, because we've got the 24 inch iMac and we've got this display, um, that's 27 inches and that'll be good enough. And that's, that's going to be my guess, at least right now is that that's where they are. Is that I, the, a larger iMac is like something that they felt they didn't have to do and that they probably had a bunch of other stuff in in the pipeline, and they're like, we can wait on this one. And that might explain German's kind of haziness about it. It's like, yes, but um, maybe it, that's the truth of it, is that it was hovering out there, but it, they just decided uh, they had other stuff to do before they got to it. Over the weekend, Ming-Chi Kuo uh, tweeted, he's on Twitter now, which is great. Uh, Ming-Chi Kuo tweeted, uh, 2023 for Mac Pro and iMac Pro. And I'm still not sure about the iMac Pro, but that at the time I was like, 2023, no way. Now I understand why, because of the studio, mm. right? Like now, yeah. I was like, how can they leave it so Buys long? Buys time. Yeah, that makes a bit more sense. Yeah, and Apple didn't foresee a pandemic when they, you know, opened up the calendar app on Tim's iPad to like map out the Apple Silicon transition, <laughs> right? So like 23. Mm-hmm. To your point, Mike, yes, they were doing all this, but there's also all those other things going on too. And if it's, you know another year for the Mac Pro, it'll kind of linger out there like the trash can did. And those of us who want something in that class can buy and enjoy Mac Studios. Weren't we in the pandemic when they started it? I think we were. But even like... I'm thinking yeah, but like, they didn't know how long it's going to last. Right. I know that. Like, I'm thinking about they didn't know the out. supply chain. I just yeah. had to, have to the roll that one back in my brain and be like, yeah. oh my God, it's been that long. All right, there's more questions. Adam says... I was surprised by how cheap the new studio display is. Then I realized it's 500 nits compared to 1600 of my 14-inch MacBook Pro or the Pro Display XDR. So it doesn't appear to be a HDR monitor. Does that disappoint any of you? No. I'm okay with it because it's the screen that I've had on my desk for seven years, essentially, Mm -hmm. Um, that 5K iMac panel, and it's a good display. And while I can accept that new better display tech is coming um i'm okay i'm okay with it like again if i had to wait another year in order to get a uh an hdr version and what would that cost it's like i'm kind of okay with it as it is yeah i agree and like the, they've used that panel for a long time it looks really good it still does you know it, it does that panel I, mean, I remember when the first 5k imax came out and of course they've improved it since then but even then, thinking like this is all anyone mm-hmm. needs. Like as someone My who brightness. has a as someone who has a pro display XDR who doesn't use the fancy movie making. Like, I'm not making Star Wars in my pod cabin, right? Like it's it's I'm using should, it as a though. as a computer display. Be good. Hmm. It's there's so many of the, the features of the pro display that I feel are untapped by my usage. Whereas this thing, people can get and they'll use every ounce of it, and it's going to be great. And it's got speakers and stuff, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Oh, yeah, your expensive one doesn't have speakers, does it? No, I have clear sound sticks on either yeah. side of it. My iMac Pro is at three dots for brightness. 
Yeah. So I'm not anywhere close to using the brightness of this display anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we answered this earlier, but Nicholas asked, how much RAM did you each get in your Mac Studio? I did 64 gigs. I did 32, which is what I've got in the in the iMac Pro. I think it's enough. And I, I decided not to spend more money on that. Yeah. <laughs> and Zach asked me, what was the best part about watching the event with Steven? Uh, I love watching events for friends, especially Steven, because you get to exclaim things very loudly and somebody there is... <laughs> can hear you yeah somebody cares right and can get involved with you you know like when something has did he just say that no yeah. i can't like you know that's what i like so, watching them on your own is so usually right. during over the last three years with these things i've watched it done our shows or whatever and then usually like the the night the night of or the next night i'll re-watch it just to take more notes and i'll make mary sit down and watch it because i want to i just want to bounce ideas off of somebody and the dog doesn't care about displays you could bounce ideas off either though you could. I mean, yeah. I mean, she would just stare at me uh-huh. and want to treat. It bounces back completely. <laughs> it does. Blank look on her mm. face. Eva Corndog is our dog. We should clarify. Eva's not a person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Eva's a dog. So, uh, so yeah, it is It is fun to watch these. Um, like Mike said, we haven't done it together since 2017. And so today was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And even though an Apple event in the middle of our trip together like has blown a big hole of work right in the center of it. <laughs> yeah, we like, lost the entire day. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that it worked out this yeah, way. Me too. Me too. All right. I think that wraps it up for this week's episode of Upgrade. Uh, if you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future episode, just send in a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord. Uh, which you can get access to if you sign up for Upgrade Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com and you'll get longer, ad-free versions of every single episode of Upgrade. Uh, I would like to thank our sponsors for this week, Memberful, Capital One, Smile, and Electric. And thank you to our guest, Stephen Hackett. You can find Stephen. He is at ISMH on Twitter, at writes at 512 and hosts many wonderful shows here on Relay FM. You can go check them out for yourself. Jason is over at sixcolors.com and he is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. Stay tuned to Six Colors, I'm sure, for lots more analysis and oh, yes. thoughts about today's announcements. Uh, I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next week. Nope. Although I think I'm going to be. be away, right? Yeah, I'm taking the week off. Jason's going to have a guest. Jason's going to be back. Week. I'm traveling uh, home on that day. So so you can still have an episode of Upgrade on Monday. Jason's going to be getting a wonderful guest to fill in for me. I wonder who that will be. Who knows? It could be literally anybody. Not me. Probably not Stephen it as won't well. Be, it will not be me. won't be Stephen. So... Outside of Fine. three of us, it could be anyone. So, <laughs> literally uh, anybody, yeah. Make sure you tune into that. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason and Steven. Bye, y'all. Bye, Steven. Bye, Mike. Bye.